Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. Good morning, church. So great to see you. So great to be with you on our Sabbath month of Sundays. You know, if you are tuning in for the first time online, because that's what we're doing, we are doing an experiment we have never done before. We are doing online services only. And man, I just want to say, we have missed you. We have missed being in person. I have missed being in person with you. I can't wait to see you next week. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a party because that's what Sabbath is about. It's about rest, but it's also about party. It's about celebration. And you know, one way you could kind of think of this Sabbath month, you're like, well, why would you do that in the middle of summer? Why would you, you know, just have online services only? Well, think of it kind of like training camp for the soul. We're learning new skills. We're learning how to rest and enjoy God and enjoy each other in new ways. And it's training camp without all the grueling exercise and pain and hard work. It's fun. It's rest. It's about restoring it's about finding a new rhythm of enjoying God and enjoying each other and being rested and refreshed and restored so that we can really get in on mission and live on mission and be, in, be a part of the great amazing things God is doing here on the planet. So today, Sabbath and worship. But before we get started, I'm going to play a game. It's called... Gotta see what it's called. What do you see? <laughs> what do you see? So close your eyes online. I need you to close your eyes. Close your eyes. And what's what I want you to do? I'm gonna say two words, and I want you to form a full picture in your mind. Imagine what I'm saying. Okay? The first thing that comes to your mind when you hear the two words that I'm gonna say in just a minute, I want you to be specific. The time of day. Uh, the location, how you feel, and then as soon as I tell you to open your eyes, then you can write it in the comments, okay? I want you to write in the comments what it was you saw. Okay, here are the two words. You ready? Eyes closed. Barking dog. Barking dog. What do you see? What's the location? What do you feel? Now open your eyes. Now, quickly write it in the comments what you saw, what kind of setting it was, how you felt, and then start looking at the comments. They're probably all very different. Some were probably a happy dog. He was barking because he was hungry. Or he was an angry dog and he was barking because you were trying to break into the house or something like that. It was just, it, we, there's probably a lot of different pictures of the barking dog and the feelings. Some people were happy. Some people were like, get that dog out of here. I don't want a dog around me. What, there's a lot of different ideas when we say something. We all have different perspectives. We all have different perceptions. Now, I kind of think the same thing happens when I say worship. When I say that word, all sorts of different pictures, all sorts of different images, all sorts of different settings, all sorts of different feelings are going off inside 
different people's minds. Some will have a picture of, oh, it's quiet and it's dark and I'm just sitting there. Some will have a, oh, it's like, oh, it's exciting. And, and we all have these different ideas about worship. Now, believe it or not, we all worship. You know, even if you're watching and maybe you're watching with a friend or a family member who just said, hey, come over to my house for brunch. We're going to watch church. You can come to church and be with me. And, you know, maybe church isn't your thing and you're hearing about worship and you're kind of like, you kind of got an idea of like pews and incense and, you know, all that, you know, and you're like, I'm not really a worshiper. Oh, well, actually, we all are worshipers. We worship, some of us worship God. But we all worship something, whether it is God or self or knowledge or freedom. Some of us worship our friends or our family. Some of us worship love. We all worship something because that's what humans are. Before worship is something humans do, worshipers is who we are as human beings. We were created for worship. And I love what the author Paul Tripp, he describes it this way. He says, the most irreligious person on earth worships because worship is first a human identity before it's a human activity. Everything we do and say is rooted in worship. Every choice, every decision flows from worship. Worship is the inescapable occupation of every human being. The question is not if we worship, but what we give our hearts to worship. I see worship, and when, worship is the way that draws us to God. Worship is what draws us to him. It's what opens our lives to God's presence. See, when we worship God, that's when we are our most true human selves. When we worship God, it's when we, where we're strengthened and when we receive new grace, it's when we're energized, it's when we're restored, it's when we experience a sense of wholeness and rightness about, about us, about God, about us and God together, about what's going on in the world around us. And it's called this thing of shalom. This thing of shalom. So what is worship? Well, first of all, let's talk about what worship is not. So worship is not singing, although singing is a part of it. Worship is not slow songs. Worship is not quiet. Worship is not incense and prayers. Worship is not hands raised. It's not being still. Worship isn't feelings. Worship is actually a posture of our heart that elevates something or someone to an, a place of importance, priority, and gives it power. Okay? Worship, it's a posture of the heart that elevates something or someone to a position of priority. It gives them priority or gives this thing priority in our life, and it also gives it power in our life. Now, that is a great thing when the one being elevated in our life is God. That's powerful. Because when we're giving priority to him, because this is why it's so important, we become like whatever we worship. We become like whatever we worship. Now we don't become God when we worship God, but we become like God. Listen to 2 Corinthians 3.18, I love it in the message. Paul is writing, he says, all of us, nothing between us and God. 
Our face is shining with the brightness of his face. And so we are transfigured or transformed, much like the Messiah. Our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. This is Paul describing what happens when we worship God, when, when we, nothing between us and God, when we turn our lives and we give praise to God and when we, what our heart is giving, elevating God in our life. God, you're the greatest. God, you're amazing. That's what we become, like the God we worship. But the flip side of that, it's not great if something or someone else other than God is being elevated to our lives. Listen to what Psalm 135, 15 to 18. Okay, now this, I'll just give you a full heads up. It sounds a little bit intense, but the point is really important, so stay with me. Psalm 135, the unbelieving nations worship what they make. They worship their wealth and their work. They idolize what they own and what they do. Their possessions will never satisfy. Their lifeless and futile works cannot bring life to them. Their things can't talk to them or answer their prayers. Blind men can only create blind things. Those deaf to God can only make deaf images. Dead men can only create dead idols. And everyone who trusts in these powerless dead things will be just like what they worship. Powerless and dead. Ouch. But you know what? I'm so grateful for God's grace and his word. We would never know something was dangerous unless God told us. And that's why this is a grace of God's word. We, we become like what we worship. And so, man, we want to make sure what our worship, what we're elevating in our life, not just on a Sunday, not just for an hour when we're together, we're watching and tuning into church online, or not just when we're singing songs. Worship is what we've been created to do every single moment of our day. Worship. We can worship with the work that we're doing. In a minute, I'm going to give you some practical things, I think, that will maybe give you a whole different picture about worship. But see, worship is a powerful connector. It connects us to the person of Jesus Christ. It connects us to God. You know, Jesus was, he got pulled into a conversation with a woman at the well once. And in John 4, 23 to 24, he's explaining, he says, he's talking to this woman who she was trying to say, she's trying to pull him into a, a conversation about worship. She had lots of questions about worship. And Jesus responds with, the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father. See, we worship a person. We worship God the Father. We worship Jesus Christ. We worship the Holy Spirit. We worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit. In other words, with the very deepest part of us, with all the parts of us, must worship him in spirit and in truth. We're not worshiping an energy force. We're not worshiping trees. We're not worshiping nature. We're worshiping God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And you know, I love, you know, there's a picture in the Song of Songs, which, okay, it's about a man and a woman, their marriage relationship. It's a pretty steamy uh, book. Yes, very steamy. If you've never read it, it's pretty hot and steamy. Lots of stuff for married couples. But there's also a flip side to the way that you can read Song of Songs. Many scholars actually believe it's a picture too. Of, it's, a, it's an image or it's an a, a analogy or metaphor for God's heart and his passion for his bride, which is the church, which is all of us. So let me read. This is how God responds to our worship. Song of Songs 
4, 9 to 10 in a passion. And it's called a passion for a reason. Listen to this. This is God. So this is the, the bridegroom speaking to the bride. So we can imagine this being God speaking to us, his church, how much he, what he, how he responds to our worship. For you reach into my heart with one flash of your eyes. I am undone by your love, my beloved, my equal, my bride. You leave me breathless. You know, when we worship God, it leaves God breathless. I am overcome by merely a glance from your worshiping eyes. You know what? God is simply there waiting for one glance and we turn his direction. For you have stolen my heart. Man, I love that. Our worship, we've stolen God's heart with our love and our adoration for him. He goes on, I'm held hostage by your love and by the graces of righteousness shining on you. How satisfying to me, my equal, my bride. Your love is my finest wine. It's intoxicating and thrilling. And your sweet perfumed praises, so exotic, so pleasing. Wow. You know, that's what our worship does for God. That's what our worship does to God's heart. He loves it. So when when we worship, there's something powerful that's taking place. We're connecting with the person. But worship also connects us to a place. It connects us to God's space, to God's reality. And again, you know what? We're, we're creatures of two worlds. We live in a very real physical world. But because of what Jesus has done on the cross, because of what he invites us into as followers of Jesus, when we say yes to Jesus, we also say yes to living in a different zone, the reality of God's kingdom here on earth. And this is where it's God's, God's presence, where God is, where he's very tangibly felt. I love this. In, in Psalm 89, 15, it says, happy are those who hear the joyful call to worship for they will walk in the light of your presence, Lord. And so worship connects us to a person and to a place. And, you know, this is where, this is where Sabbath comes in because Sabbath, man, worship isn't only for Sabbath. And we've talked before, we've done message series on our, our work, what we do it with, with lots of different activities being part of our worship. And so worship isn't only for Sabbath, but Sabbath is all about worship. Sabbath is all about worship. Again, Paul Tripp, he says, we need constant reminders of God's awesome glory, and thankfully, God has embedded these reminders in his creation. The problem is, we easily become blind. We look, but we don't see, and because we don't see, we don't worship, and because we don't worship, we fail to obey. So, in beautiful grace, God has carved out a day for us to stop Look, listen, consider, and worship again. See, this is why God has given us this Sabbath day, this during our week. And, you know, we set aside a whole month so we could learn the skill really well. And so that we could get this rhythm into our weekly part of doing life. And so the Sabbath, God gave us to draw away from the hustle and the bustle and the crazy and the noise of life so that we could worship and enjoy him. Now, this is where it gets interesting because if I've got funky ideas about what worship is, if I think it's singing, if I think it's silence or solitude and quiet and incense and doing nothing and praying all day. If I've got funky ideas about what worship is, 
and I hear Sabbath is all about worship, guess what? I'm going to avoid Sabbath like the plague. <laughs> and some of you, that's probably what you've been thinking. You've been avoiding Sabbath. It's like, I don't want a Sabbath. I'm too busy for Sabbath. The last thing I want to do is sing all day. I don't want to pray all day. I don't want to read my Bible all day. Well, I want to give some very different, maybe a diff, some practical things, but maybe a different perspective on worship. And, and I hope these things will help you experience God's presence like never before. And maybe you can incorporate some of these in as we're going forward in, in, weekly, in your weekly Sabbath time. Because uh, Sabbath is meant to be something that replenishes and restores. And it's going to look different for all of us. In fact, I can't wait till we can start hearing some of the stories of how you've been practicing Sabbath in a way that restores and replenishes you. So I want to talk about something called worship and spiritual pathways. This is by no means my own ideas. These are some authors and different writers and people that are a lot smarter than I am and a lot older than I am. And they've, they've discovered there's different, they call them spiritual pathways because they're different ways that we each maybe experience or connect with God easiest, okay? They're, they're ways that we can connect, we feel most connected with God, or we naturally connect with God. And even, and usually, and just because we have one path, when I go through these, you're like, that's me, I am that person, that's the way I connect. So just because there's one path that we easily connect with God, but we really don't connect with him and all the other paths, it doesn't mean we just ignore those paths because they're things that we can practice. And they're very important because in scripture, they're the ways that Jesus invited us to get to know him and follow him. But there's probably going to be one or maybe a combination of paths that if we can, this is where we most feel connected to God. And if this might be a whole new thing to you, you're just like, oh my gosh, that's why. And maybe you felt guilty when you're in this space and you feel so close to God, but maybe you don't feel as close to God as, you know, your friend or your partner or someone when they're reading your Bible and you're just like, oh, I don't get anything out of that. It's so hard to connect. Well, you might connect in a different way. So this is to give you freedom to try some new things and incorporate it into Sabbath. So let me talk about these, the, there's different pathways. Let me talk about the first one. The first one is relational. The first one is relational. In other words, you connect best to God when you're with others. The idea of being alone drives you crazy. Like, forget it. I just can't. I feel so disconnected. Now, while God has made all of us for community, some of us connect, we just feel God's presence so much when we're around other people. And maybe some of your most, your, your, your most critical moments or your most life-altering moments with God happened when you were in the context of other people. And, you know, I love in Ephesians 5, 4, in the Passion, it says, it says, Paul is giving instruction. He said, let worship fill your heart and spill out into your words as you remind each other of God's goodness. And, man, I love that picture. In worship, God fills us up. And then our words, we can use them to encourage others or to build others up and strengthen them and remind them of God's goodness. And so, you know, if relational and being with others is the way you feel closest to God, here's some things that maybe you could try with Sabbath. A big part of Sabbath for you is probably not going to be alone time, okay? So it might be meeting up with friends. It might be, you know, gathering the family together and have people over for brunch or lunch or make Sabbath meals. You might want to be Sabbathing and mealing with people all throughout your Sabbath. Like you might be doing the, I don't know, progressive dinner. I think that's what they call that. You know, the dinner hop. You have brunch one place and then lunch another place and then snacks another place and then a barbecue. That might be Sabbath for you. 
Go for it. Meeting up with friends and people where you've got lots of engagement with people could be replenishing. Now, it might be different for somebody who is, if another one, intellectual. This is another pathway. You are a thinker. You connect best with God when you're learning about him. When the road to your heart is through your head. So, Sabbath for you might be extra time in God's word. I mean, you might be content to just read your Bible all day. And you're like, I just want to read my Bible. Or a book, a good book that will encourage you in your faith or encourage you, that will some, a book that will stoke your faith. Or maybe it's about having, maybe it's deep conversations about God and having those conversations with others. So the intellectual pathway is going to look very different than this other pathway, the creative pathway. Now, the creative pathway is you connect best or easiest with God through music or maybe through journaling or through some other kind of artistic or creative expression. Maybe writing poetry. You just feel like you got this download from God. And, and maybe you're, you hear friends that they're talking about, you know, praying and they just pray out loud, but you write your prayers. Like, that's a form of creative expression. And some, some things that you might want to try with Sabbath is sing. Try to take some time, set aside some time to write and to sing and maybe do art or make or build things with your hands or, you know, see, this is where this, and do it as an act of worship. God, I want to worship you with my hands. You've given me this gift. Thank you that I can create things and you're doing it as a way to, to honor God because it just is replenishing you. Now, somebody else might think craftsmanship is just like, oh, it's boring. I don't want to do that. That's okay. But for you, it might be a way to feel close and to worship God as you're building or doing something. Another pathway, activism. Now, this is a tricky one, and I find this very hard because I feel like this is probably one of mine. So I'll, I'll share some things that are helping me. And the activists are those who have lots of passion, lots of energy, and lots of vision. You love building the church. You love bringing out potential in people. You, you tend to see a lot of problems and ways that things could be better things to change. Now, do you see where this is a bit of a conflict when we're talking about rest and enjoying God and being refreshed in God, but you want to do something and you feel really close to God when you're doing and you're building and you're making things happen, you're changing things. Conflict. Excuse me, I got a hair in my face. <laughs> so, let me give you some things. This is some things that maybe will help you with Sabbath. And it might take a little bit more of a intentionality and a little bit more practice to get into the Sabbath group of rest. But see, when you're, when you're trying to rest and enjoy God and you just you see problems, you're thinking about problems, this, you know what's going to be your replenishing? Prayer. <laughs> and, and I'm not talking about sitting and having like loud shout it down prayer times, a storm in the gates of heaven or hell or whatever you're storming or whatever, but I'm talking about prayer as a way to unload burdens. Prayer as a way to engage with God. God, I need your help. I need your strength here. I need you to give me a new perspective. And something that's personally helped me is lots of walk and talks with God. <laughs> walk and talk and prayer. And because if you're active and you're walking, it helps to burn off some physical energy. <laughs> but also it helps to engage with God in a very well way where he can replenish you. And instead of being caught up with the problems, he begins to give it a new focus. He begins to bring a faith focus and a faith alignment to your heart. Ask him to give you new eyes to see the activism. Another one, contemplation. 
contemplation. Now, this one kind of seems a little bit more wired for what we would typically think of Sabbath, where solitude, prayer, meditation, quiet space, uninterrupted quiet time. You get drained by busyness, and you get drained by being around a lot of people. So you and the relational person, if you're married to those people, you're going to have to work out a rhythm so that you're both replenished on Sabbath. I can't tell you what that is. You can figure it out. But some things that you might want to try if you're a person of contemplation is a way, and you might actually be this kind of person but not know it. And how do you know? Well, if you get drained really easily by being around people and get drained really easy by just busy and go, 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 you probably are going to connect easiest to God through contemplation. And that's great. And so here's some things to try. Shut off all your devices on Sabbath. In fact, that's a really good practice for all of us. But especially if you get drained by people in busyness, your devices might be draining you and you don't even realize it. So start there. Just shut them off and just see how much, and take extra time to enjoy God and time thinking about him and engaging with him. And these last two, serving is another one. This is where you connect with God by helping others, by giving to others. You love God by loving others, and this is so great. And, and don't feel guilty when you feel like, oh, I'm not supposed to be working. Because, you know, there's, a, there's some things that you can do that can engage, and allow you to engage with God by serving others. And you don't have to feel guilty because it doesn't have to be work. You can do it as an act of worship. Maybe you want to cook or bake or do something to, to be able to serve someone else as a way. God, I want to do this as a way to bless someone else. I want to do this as a way to be able to help somebody else in this time. Maybe it's spending time with people who are unable to connect. People who, you know, maybe they're elderly or sick or disabled. You could be with them and practice Sabbath with them. And this last one, this last pathway is nature. That's where, man, you connect to God outdoors. You are replenished by drinking God in through your senses and being outside as you are just restored. And, you know, you might want to turn Sabbath into, again, walks in nature, watching the sunrise, gardening, things that you're involved tangibly with nature. Playing outside is another way. Reading your Bible outdoors. These are great ways to be able to engage and connect with God in these different pathways. And so, you know, in your notes, there's gonna be a survey that you can actually take to discover what is the pathway that you gravitate to the most. So we're gonna have that link. You're gonna be able to find it in the notes. You're gonna be able to see that. And to find out what might be an indication of your stronger pathway. Watch what happens when you're in your heart or your soul when you, you go too long without that pathway. And, and again, these pathways, they're not ends in themselves. They're a way for us to engage with God. We don't end up worshiping these things, but the whole idea is how can I use this as a way to draw closer and to worship God, to honor him, to, to elevate him, to give him place and priority in my life. And you know what? If you get frustrated in these Sabbath practices, that's okay because they're practices. We're practicing. We're finding our groove. And... Oh, the whole goal is we simply want to engage in this time and worship God with our whole being, not just this time on a Sunday, but bringing, creating these new rhythms of worship because worship is what transforms our heart and what transforms our soul to become more like him. Can I pray for you, church? I want to pray for you. 
God, I just, I'm so thankful for this time that we've had together over these last several weeks and engaging in Sabbath practices and maybe discovering practices and discovering you in a whole new way. And God, we just ask that you would just continue to open up our hearts, continue to to lead us into this practice of, of taking this time to enjoy you in fresh new ways and to enjoy being with each other and being restored so that we can be on mission with you. And this one final prayer I want to pray with us together, church. Can we pray? It's a prayer of saying yes to Jesus. We do this every time we gather, whether we're in person or online. And it's a prayer of saying, I want to follow you, Jesus. Because you know what? More than anything, you know, when you worship the God that made you, that's when your life is transformed. So can you pray this prayer with me? Just say, Jesus, thank you for everything that you've done to save me. I say yes to following you. I say yes to living on mission with you. Jesus, teach me how to be a worshiper of you. Amen. Amen. So good. Church, it's so great. Somebody, there's going to be a link online, how we want to get connected with you, how to connect in and help you get going in this journey. It has been so exciting. We are looking forward to the days ahead. Church, man, we can't wait next week. It's going to be so fun. In person here at City Life. Hope to see you soon. And we hope you have a great rest of the week. It's been so fun being with you. Thanks for tuning in. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.